Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Evan Miyakawa, Evan, M-I-Y-A.com. I'm on his website right now. All of the analytics data. It's fun to just dig into it from offense and defensive rankings to kill shots and also much more. Evan with Paul Craig. I'm David Smoke. Evan, thanks for your time. It's been too long. It's that time of the year. We appreciate uh, everything you do for us. So Houston in their first year in the Big 12 and you have them right now. Are they the best team in the country? Uh, I definitely think it's arguable that they are. Uh, the advanced metrics certainly love them. I think uh, public consensus would probably say that they have a little bit more to prove as they get into Big 12 play to kind of solidify their status as the best team in the country. But from what we've seen so far from them this season from an advanced metrics perspective, as well as what we knew they had coming into the year, there's nothing that they've done so far to not suggest that they're one of the best, if not the best team in the country. Obviously, there's a couple other teams in that conversation right now, and they're not ranked number one in the AP poll as of today, but I definitely think they're very strong. Yeah, Evan, uh, their record is not going to probably be what it was, you know, when they were in in the American, but uh, could they actually be better than they have been? And that includes a couple of Final Four runs in the last few years. Yes, I definitely think so. Uh, their defense, once again, this year is incredible. And their offense, you, you know, while it's never going to be as strong as their defense, is still very good. And I think one of the struggles that we've seen with a team like Houston uh, or a team like Gonzaga coming from a weaker conference and getting a one seed or a two seed in previous years is that uh, you just don't have as much uh, late-season tough contests that prepare you for the tournament. Houston's not going to have a problem with that this year. So I think it's very likely that they might even lose five, six, seven Big 12 games and still be super strong come tournament time because they're battle-tested and they'll be ready for really whatever's thrown at them in March Madness. Evan, uh, Texas Tech on top of the conference standings right now, uh, along with K-State, just the, the one loss in conference play. What jumps out to you when you look at the numbers and, and what you've seen from Grant McCaslin in this first year so far? It's definitely been very promising. Uh, they're ranked top 30 in the nation right now, according to my team ratings. That's certainly a step above what we expected from them. And, uh, you know, obviously, as we know, playing in Lubbock is really hard uh, for other teams to win there. They have a great home court advantage. Um, but I think they they took care of their non-conference in a way that put them in a good position to have a, a strong foundation. And now, obviously, you know, top of the conference, they've surprised some people. You know, I wouldn't expect them to finish in the top two or three, you know, once we get to conference tournament time, but certainly setting up really well for them so far. Kansas State, uh, have had some clutch wins, including last week at home where they found a way to win the game in overtime against Scott Drew and company. What's missing from their resume in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, looking at their resume, uh, 
you know, they just don't have quite as much of a, uh, you know, quality wins as they had last year. And they don't have, in terms of a roster standpoint, they don't have a go-to, mm-hmm. you know, two-man game like they had last year in Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson. They just don't. And so I think Jerome Tang is a great coach. And I think he's done really well with them. But their offense in particular this year just isn't as good as last year. They're outside the top 100 nationally in my offensive ranking for teams. That's obviously a concern for them. They're their defense is still really, really good, uh, you know, but, you know, they definitely need some work uh, done to their offense to kind of see them reach similar levels to last season. You've got Baylor with the fourth-ranked offense but the 84th-ranked defense. Is that why they just feel so wonky sometimes when you're watching them? Yes. Uh, on that note, you know, going back in my database, this is the worst Baylor defense from an analytical perspective since 2016. You know, we complained last year that their defense wasn't up to Baylor's usual standard in recent seasons. And this year is worse in terms of national ranking, which is pretty crazy to say. Um, you know, like you mentioned, though, their offense is top five in the country right now. I have their offense only behind Purdue, Alabama, and UConn, who are all really great offensive forces. So the offense is not an issue, but the consistency on the defensive end, the ability to, uh, you know, not trade blow for blow, but actually get stops and build leads, you know, has been a struggle for them so far this year. Evan Mia Kawa with us. Evan Mia again, uh, M-I-Y-A online. If you want just a bucket load of information right in front of your eyes. Craig? So, Evan, uh, Rodney Terry and company needed that win. Uh, they were very excited about that this past weekend. But uh, how do you feel about Texas at this point? Uh, are they, you know, a team with the potential to be near the top of the standings when all is said and done? Are they looking like a middle-of-the-road team? What, what, is, uh, what, what are your impressions on the Longhorns? I think one of the funny things about being in a conference as loaded as the Big 12 is that a team like Texas profiles to have a lower seed or a worse seed in the Big 12 tournament than they will actually have in March Madness if they got there, just because of how crazy good the Big 12 is. So right now I have Texas, I think, ninth or 10th in the Big 12, and that's still top 40 in the entire country. So, you know, with that being said, I do think there's a little bit of a disparity right now between you know, kind of how the human AP voters see Texas and where the advanced analytics have them. Texas, you know, has been in or around the top 25 for most of the season, uh, but the advanced metrics haven't really shown that they're that good. So, you know, getting that win this week was huge for them, uh, but especially in a crowded Big 12, they're still kind of in the bottom half there. And so there's, you know, a lot of potential for if they, if they don't continue to improve, having multiple game skids uh, and being kind of in trouble when we get around to March. Evan, um, I don't know how the numbers bear this out, and this is just me watching Texas. And, look, they played really well the other day, but have not played consistently throughout the year. Um, They have a lot of really good parts, but they don't seem to work together all that well all the time. The other day, offensively, they were fantastic. I mean, you know, especially in the first half, couldn't miss. They have things that should make you think, okay, this is a team that can go, but for whatever reason, they can't make it work well together. Is there a numerical way to explain that? I I think kind of on that note, one thing I've noticed about their roster is that, like you said, they have a lot of really good pieces but I don't think they have one player who is uh, their, 
dynamic, dominant player who is going to always have the offense run through them and is going to kind of connect all the other pieces. I think they got Max Acemas this offseason to be that. And I think he's been pretty good, but he's not been spectacular. Um, you know, his offensive rating on my, my website is, is the best on the team, but his defense is very lacking still. They, you know, have a bunch of good players, but none of their players are ranked inside the top 100 nationally. And for a team of their caliber, you would hope that you have a player on the team, you know, who has value, who brings value to the team when they're on the court, who's kind of in that top 100, top 50 range. They've got a lot of dudes, but but as I said, they don't necessarily have one go-to player who I think is going to be reliable for them, kind of in the same way that you've seen from maybe some Texas teams in the past uh, or other teams in the Big 12, you know, thinking about a Marquise Noel and what he did in the tournament last year. So, you know, you would hope that you have some stars emerge. I like a guy like Dylan Mitchell. You know, he's been talked about for years, and hopefully he's having a really good season this year. Obviously got a lot of potential there. You know, you need to extract more from a guy like Caden Shedrick, who's got a lot of potential coming from Virginia, but again, hasn't played as much as you would like. So there's definitely potential there for sure to improve. So you mentioned Baylor 84 defensively. Where is the weakness? Uh, <laughs> Besides, I'm not totally sure. everywhere, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I don't necessarily know if you could point to say like one player or one scheme that they're doing differently. You know, we know that Scott Drew can coach defense. Um, so, you know, from a numbers perspective, I, I don't necessarily have a solution. You know, I certainly think you would hope with, you know, the, a lot of the new pieces that they have this year, that it's just a matter of gelling the longer they go into the season. And that by the time you get to the tournament, they've really got their defensive schemes and principles nailed down. Um, you know, I, I really like what I've seen from a guy like Jacoby Walter defensively. You know, he can he can be on and off, but you know, at his best, we've seen a ton of really good defensive intensity, which is something you don't typically say for a freshman. But when you get a guy like him and Eves Misi uh, really elite defensively, that can kind of lift the rest of the team up. So you hope to see more consistent performance from those two because you know the veterans will just kind of come around them and and, and hopefully make this defense better as a whole. Evan, uh, nationally, with what UConn's doing, uh, obviously Purdue with Edie, um, you know, they, they, they're really good, but they've also been vulnerable and lost a game to Nebraska, who's an average team, maybe better than they've been in a long, long time. Who nationally, outside of the Big 12, is maybe flying under the radar? You know, I've had to pick one team looking right now at my top 10. Um, you know, I might go with Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee teams, especially with Rick Barnes at the helm, have not typically been trusted come tournament time just because the track record isn't there. Um, and they're typically a very defensive-minded team first, and that's you know always gets good regular season results. But if you don't have an offense that can produce, you know how well are they going to do in the tournament? But with that said, I have them top five in the country, and they've been kind of there or thereabouts for a long time. You know, I think it's really difficult to pick out who the elite teams are this year, partly because. In a lot of these top conferences, winning on the road this year has been really hard. Every single good team has lost a game or two or three mm -hmm. in conference play on the road. It's really, really hard to win on the road. So when you go on the road and win pretty much against anybody, that's not a given. And so I, I like a team like Tennessee because they're stifling defensively, and now they have an offensive weapon that they haven't had in previous years. And Dalton Connect, the transfer from Northern Colorado, he's been awesome. He's been a big shot maker. Um, so I really like him. I think he's a star uh, and, and definitely gives them a different dimension offensively than they've had in the past. 
Evan, uh, tell everybody how you crunched the numbers and, and, and kind of how you started this and where they can find you. I've given your website, EvanMIYA.com. Uh, well, as you know, I watch every single game every night and put all the numbers in a spreadsheet. <laughs> you know, it takes me about... Yeah, takes me about eight or nine hours. You know, I don't sleep at all. Um, no, I, obviously I don't do that. Uh, I have a lot of automated data sources that can kind of help fill this stuff out for me. But um, yeah, for those who don't know, I, I was in grad school at Baylor getting my PhD in statistics when I started this website. And, um, and I actually think being on the radio with Sikkim 365 was probably my first uh, radio or podcast that I ever did. Um, so I'm really grateful to you guys for being, uh, you know, one of the first opportunities that I ever got. Well, yeah, I remember when you jumped into it, and, and now look at you. You're famous, and so we will always want to get credit for that. Yeah, we need to get you a coffee sponsor for your website there, Evan. <laughs> I mean, based on your background. Yeah, I see that. Yes, I do like to co- collect coffee from all over the place. <laughs> I didn't know if that was just books you'd read, and then, then I started realizing it was a bunch of coffee. That's yeah, a ton yeah. Of well, it, that's yeah. How, how do you think he gets all these numbers crunched? Yeah. Especially when he watches every game every yeah, single night and, and, and never sleeps. Evan, uh, you, you, I want to go back to a question in the chat room. You mentioned, uh, Paul mentioned Texas. They have Hunter, DeSue, Mitchell, Acemas, all these guys plus the transfer in Shedrick, and yet it, it doesn't seem like it's working. And you have DeSue as their highest-rated player at 115, and when you think about it, there's 1,000 or ten, what 5,000 basketball players what is it about him that would not put him or that does not put him among the top 50 or 75? Because I thought he carried that team on his back last year. It's actually really just a lack of sample size on the season. If he were to uh, play the same way the rest of the season, play 20 plus minutes a game, he would not be outside the top 100 anymore by the time we get to the end of the season. So I think it's partly just the fact that he needs to produce this more in order for the, the statistical model that measures these things to become more confident in his ability. Uh, but you know, certainly what he's shown so far, he's moving up in the right direction. All right, Grant McCaslin in Texas Tech, he's, you, he just loves to talk about defense and what they've done. Your thoughts about what they've accomplished so far? Well, again, I, you know, I, I love Grant McCaslin, and I thought he was a great hire for Texas Tech, um, establishing his principles quickly, uh, but still being able to be flexible and not you know, just use the same system he had in North Texas, but you know, adapt to the Big 12. Uh, I've been really impressed with, with him so far. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate your time. Evan Miyakawa, Kawa's Basketball Advanced Analytics. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.